Hello world and welcome to Hopecast. This is our podcast on spirituality, sexuality, wellness and queerness. We had a break last week because it was hot. (laughs) We were in the middle of a heat wave and we were all a bit all over the place. So we didn't manage to get together last week, but we are back, 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 baby. And without further ado, we're just going to dive straight in uh, because that's how we do it around here. I'm liking the necklace moment you're having, Paul. I was going to say the exact same thing. Yes, very, I am, just noticing your pearls. I am rocking a pearl necklace. I love pearls. <laughs> Everyone should have a pearl necklace on a Saturday. Yeah, on a Saturday, um, sorry. <laughs> Never on a Sunday. <laughs> no, not at all. No, it's because uh, so oh, Dan's no, mum is here for her birthday and we were going to go. You stole it from her. No. <laughs> <laughs> I've stolen everything. We were going to go somewhere quite nice for breakfast. And so I thought I'm going to wear my pearls. And then we ended up just going to Balance, which, which was nice, you know, not no shade against Balance, but it was lovely. So how is everyone? Let's, do you know what? We haven't done this for so long <clears throat> together in a room. How about we just remind people who we are? So it's Paul in London. It's Anders in Amsterdam. Um, it's Matthew, currently um, from Crete today. I'm, I'm fresh off the beach. We're living our best life. Oh, and I'm Yasser, and I'm in London today. Yeah, so we're all a bit all over the place. So normally, you know, you're in Lisbon, today you're in London. Normally Matthew's in London, he's in Crete. Crete? So yeah, we're all a bit global. And then we're sadly missing Oliver and Nick. And we're missing Nick for good reason, because it's Nick's birthday today. Yay! Happy birthday, Nick! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! <clears throat> Maybe something just to plant a seed. Now we can come back to later. What would be your birthday wish for Nick? And we can all make a little wish and put it out into the world. But yeah, it's been a while. So, what's making you hopeful at the moment? Hmm. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> There's no hope. We're living in a shit show. <laughs> How do you stay hopeful in a really increasingly maddening world? Like it just, I really feel like things are just bonkers at the moment. Everything's on fire. Yes. Literally and metaphorically. (laughs) Governments are in chaos, etc. People can't even go on holiday. (laughs) Exactly. Oh God, where are you finding hope in amongst all of this? Ignoring it all. (laughs) Ignoring it, yeah. Um, no, serious, serious talk though. I mean, the world is mental, like forest fires, monkeypox, like it's it <gasps> monkeypox. Yeah. Yeah. It just gets, it just gets more and more ridiculous. And I'm like, every, every week, I feel like it's another week of, um, did, did any of you watch years and years, um, Russell T Davis oh, um, I loved that. drama on BBC? I, yeah. I'm just watching the news and I'm like, it's still it's still getting more mental like how how is this possible um for me it's about like checking in with my circle and the things i can control um starting there i think that you can find hope around you uh maybe Mm. if you look too far out of the circle things feel a little much (laughs) um but i like that i'm finding a lot of hope um, at the moment, I've got some really exciting gigs coming up. I'm actually going to America next month. <clears throat> oh, mm. wow. Exciting. Um, what did you, um, did, did the person who won Virgin Atlantic have a little accident? <laughs> no, they went. They had a whale of a time, I'm sure. Oh, did they? Oh, good. It's, How nice for them. This is bigger and better, I think. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's super exciting. I'm going to Philadelphia, but then also I'm going to go to New York for, like, for <gasps> traveling and maybe network while I'm there, so... Are you going to take some outfits? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> Suitcase full, I'm sure. Ella does Manhattan. Yes, yes, oh, yes. can't wait for that. Of that. <laughs> Exciting, right here. Yeah, sex and very, yeah, things that look up in Duloc. That's brilliant. The real Statue of Liberty has finally arrived. <laughs> I've also been spending loads of time with my nephew this week and I'm just like spending time time with kids just reminds you like the play in life and just not taking mm. it seriously like I've really because I haven't seen my nephew because he's been in Greece with my brother and his wife um, 
for the last like two months. So I haven't actually seen him and he's now like grown so much. And it's just like, kids just look at the world and they're just like in awe. And like, we need to mm. be reminded to do that more. And like, it's been so nice, like spending time with him and playing with him and just like simple things make, put a smile on his face. And I think that's really been quite grounding for me this week coming here. Mm. That's, that's what I'm hopeful for. Children. Does it make you broody at all? It does a little bit. I, I, I've always gone two and four, like, obviously I have kids and I'm like, obviously I won't, cause, like, it's not like, uh, it's not like an easy route. It's not like, mm. oh, bam, someone's pregnant, you know? Um, but <laughs> I don't know, I have gone back and forth. Like one of my friends um, had a surrogate give birth to their child, um, a gay couple. And it's just so lovely having kids around and like seeing all these possibilities. I'm not, I'm definitely not against it. Um, right now I'm currently enjoying Gunkle Gigi's and mm. seeing that it's nice to give them back when they start crying. Yeah, it's like a little try before you buy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's definitely not off the cards. Maybe one day and God still, I'm sure 10 years down the line, I'd still be like, I could have a kid now. So yeah. I'm in no rush, but maybe. Well, you know, if you need God parents, here we are. Uh, Paul's a lovely name, as we as we know. Um, <laughs> Anders, yes, sir. What's been making you hopeful? Let Anders go first. Sure. Uh, I think also keeping things simple and just kind of um, really enjoying the little community or circle of friends that we've managed to finally create or receive or be adopted into here and just you know doing the simple things like grabbing a beer or some food and I don't know there's something that fills me with joy and just like hope that the world can keep you know being open that we can message friends day of and be like do you want to join us for dinner at this place where we forgot we booked a table mm-hmm. and they're like absolutely and i mean maybe that makes me more happy than hopeful but <laughs> it's it still makes me feel this kind of hope for uh, the future here for me personally you know my own little future mm-hmm. in amsterdam lots of creative stuff coming up too that i'm just looking forward to mm-hmm. um but yeah it is it has actually been a little bit of a struggle to stay hopeful recently I went on a little rant about Instagram yesterday Uh, (laughs) and just about how like social media is destroying everything and is also good, but that I hate it. And uh, I feel I I talked about this and like several people uh, that I know kind of felt the same way and were talking about how they want to connect for real with people. So in a way that rant turned into a little bit of hope too that, you know, people are interested in real connection and not just like, posting boring photos and reacting with a heart eye emoji i'm sure i do that to a lot of your posts so i think i mean i think people should absolutely (laughs) people should absolutely react uh i mean so to be honest i went on instagram that had just updated on my phone and i wanted to react to someone's story with the 100 emoji and they had removed that and i was just like no I can't anymore. <laughs> that was the <laughs> straw. Um, yeah. And uh, so over it. But um, anyway. <laughs> so I, I feel quite different about it. I know that social media is quite toxic in places, but I just don't go to those places. And I'm the person who will just message someone who I like their stuff and just go, hello, I love your stuff. Most people reply and go. Love that. And yeah. Most people then say oh what about you what do you do and I've actually got to know some really cool people through Instagram you know because I don't really have any shame like I don't worry that they're gonna think I'm weird or if they do I'm not really that bothered and and so there's been some really lovely connections that have come from Instagram for me because it feels permissible enough that you can just send someone a message and go love your work and also distant enough that if they don't reply that's fine just let it yeah but that's those are the times that I love social media too and I have there's a few people in my life who either they're close but I was thinking especially of an old colleague of mine that I didn't even work with that long often will actually 
tell me their reaction to my story on Instagram, mm. for example. So they're like, um, it looks crazy what you're doing or something, yeah. you know, just those simple things. And I'm like, that's a little more than just pressing like. Yeah. And I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good encouragement for all of us. And yeah. the the connections that you're making, is this in the new neighborhood? Like, Are you starting to find put roots down where you are in your you know, your, your, I was going to say your man pad, that sounds like something you need when you're older, um, in the place that you, you own now. Yeah. Yeah. It, weirdly, we actually live very close to a lot of the people we hang out with. We didn't meet them in the neighborhood, but Mm -hmm. I mean, we did a thing where we bought an apartment and then realized after the fact that we bought an apartment in the same building as our friends. Oh, nice. So that's creepy, but, you know, works out. <laughs> they dog sit Jeffrey when we can't <laughs> look after him. <laughs> when you've had enough. Yeah, which we often do. How now he's that? resting gently behind me. Here, so. Bless him. And how about you, Yasser? What's bringing you hope right now? Uh, what is giving me hope? Gosh, lots of different things. I was trying to sort of, well, as Paul, as you know, and I mentioned to you is I had some emergency eye surgery in London. Mm. <clears throat> emergency because obviously it wasn't planned, but I have a, a eye long-standing risk with my retina and I was at the theater and started noticing lights and things happening that were not on stage. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, which is one of the signs. So the next day I went to the Western Eye Hospital and I have to say I got seen, despite the way I got treated quickly, and then two days later, I went to see some friends in, the, in Kent, came back, and then things got worse. Mm -hmm. And I went back, and the consultant doctor happened to be there. And she said, okay, we need to do this operation ASAP. I can squeeze you in this evening. Ah, wow. And so then I sat in Charing Cross Hospital for like six hours on the hottest day of the year here with no fan or AC. But she got me in, and I was the very last one. And I think the nurses were like, oh, thank God. You know, the sooner you get out, the better we're ready to go home because it really was quite late. But it sort of saved the eyesight in the sense that it really needed to be addressed. Cool. And I was just amazed by the doctors and the staff and the nurses and the care and the kindness. And I know the NHS has struggled a lot and I know people complain about it, but coming from the US where none of this could have been done without a credit card being handed over, no one has asked me for anything yet. And I may get something from the international office here, but um, for emergencies, people take care of you. Mm. So I'm, I'm a huge fan. I've always been a fan of the NHS. Now it's like, how amazing. And so here are people going about their jobs. They're underpaid. They're overworked, but they're mm. saving lives. And so despite all the stuff going on out there, mm. there's people just good, kind people doing what they do and going out of their way to help people. Mm. and heal them and i just that gives me a lot of hope there are plenty of souls like they're out in the world and you know we just have to all band together and send the crazies away and you know we we're being asked to push against stuff there's a lot happening out there if we don't create a new force for change uh, that's what this is about for me so i have hope in all these lovely people who who show up and especially doctors and nurses who i think are underappreciated mm. And right now I'm feeling very appreciative and hopeful because of that. Mm. So. And how are you feeling? <clears throat> I'm actually feeling okay. It's not a uh, painful, it's just a bit of discomfort. And I really, if I close my left eye, I can't see anything. It's sort of like being in a fishbowl because I have a gas bubble in my eye to hold the retina in place. And um, there's a gas bubble. There's in a mind. gas bubble that was injected into my eye. Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> And what it does, it's like a balloon. And so it pushes the retina and holds it so it sticks. Um, so oh, it, just science have, is, were you knocked out? Were, did, were you anesthetized? My eye was. But you weren't. I wasn't. So as I was oh, lying there, the eye was held open. It was like looking up at the sky. And occasionally you'd see a forcep coming down. Oh, no. Oh. Or you'd feel a prick. But and you'd say, okay, there's something pointy there and it's coming in. But. Oh, so you had to see it. You had to watch it. <laughs> Remember, um, without I'm myopic, so which is one of the reasons for this condition. I'm extremely myopic, so nothing's in focus. Um, and there were slight pricks and 
pinpoints, but not painful. I would say uncomfortable. Sometimes a lot of pressure oh, as they inject. But um, crazy. Yeah, but I'll tell you something. I'm like, okay, I'm here. This is all like six hours before I'm just walking around, and then six hours later, here I am in this operating theater. Yeah. And it was so beautiful because they have lights and they're injecting stuff, and it's like looking at one of those um, images of the from space, like oh. with nebulas and pinks and greens and bands oh, of really? floating. So I just treated the whole thing as a giant light show, mm. and it actually ended up being some of it was actually fun, meaning. I was just annoyed. I said, look, I've got this entire universe of light and stuff mm -hmm. in my eye. And it just feels like it's the whole world. It was just the sense of the entire universe and cosmos mm -hmm. contained within. And so it felt a bit like a spiritual experience, if you will. And then little colors were shimmering through. And I know it's all the effect of the light and the injections and the drugs, but I think we can still see magic in the moment if we choose to. Yeah, what drugs were they giving you? <laughs> sure. Well, I, I can see the universe <laughs> in my eye. <laughs> well, it was the anesthetic and, you know, painkillers, but no, nothing druggy. I think that's just me being able to sort of just float in the experience. It was quite beautiful. And now it's just like looking at a goldfish bowl because there's a line of where I see the gas and it's like surface, it's like there's water in your eye, but nothing is in focus. <laughs> So I kind of keep one eye closed a lot because it's too, yeah. it's just too much, it's too wonky to try and see with both. But anyway, it should go down in a few weeks. And what, the gas bubble will just disappear? Yes, it gradually loses, um, it gets the fluid start moving back up into the gas somehow, and the gas sort of slowly deflates like a balloon, and then I can uh -huh. travel again. Um, but what it's doing, it's doing its job. Yeah, it's holding the redness. So there's a lot of sitting still right now. So you can't travel at all. You, you Not until until it gets better. Yeah, it might be a few weeks until they say I can or I find an overland to Lisbon. But um, <laughs> that might just the thought of six hours at Dover just to, or even the channel just sound intimidating. I'm, I'm just going to wait and see. I have an appointment in early August, and there's not a whole lot I can do. So a lot of time to just sit still and contemplate. Thank God I can sit still you know, from all the years of meditation, otherwise it'd be impossible. Yeah. And, you know, I'm glad that you're in London for that time. I know it's not <laughs> by choice, but, yeah. you know, it means that maybe we can hang out and sit still together. Yeah, and I can see you through my one eye. <laughs> <laughs> I, just find, I mean, isn't technology amazing? And isn't the body amazing that they can inject a bubble of gas into your eye and then it will just, your body knows what to do with it. It's bonkers. I've been thinking so much recently about like surgeries and like the things that just happen on the daily and then like people are doing that like that's a thing yeah fixed and like all this technology I mean obviously you don't know unless you've had the operations or whatever but, yeah I've been thinking this just like we have so much so many tools at our disposable uh, uh, at our disposal for Can you just sit a bit closer to your mic Matt am I am I too I think it's just a that's better too yeah. distant, sorry. Um, no, I've just been, um, yeah, like contemplating how much technology and like ways in which we're able to fix ourselves and that we just know all of these operations that people are having and like mm. how, who discovered this and like who put mm. two and three together. I've been a bit, just a bit like mind blown recently. Um, I can't remember, one of my friends had an operation fairly recently and I was just like, who discovered that? Like mm. how? How yeah. many, how many like wrong procedures had to happen for that to now be the way that they do it? That's yeah, yeah. That's what I've been ruminating on of late. Yeah. Who first thought? Tell you what we could do is take a bubble of gas and inject it into someone's eye, and they were like, "Yeah, try that on me." Yeah. Maybe it is just all those people who do weird, scary things that we have to thank for this. Because I'd be like, "No, try it on ten million people first and then work out a way to do it so that I don't feel it. Because <laughs> I'm sure those people felt it. But then I guess in the old days, they just let you die, didn't they? You know? Yeah, in the old days, if your retina detached, detached, you would just go yeah. blind. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't anything anyone could do. If you had a heart attack, you just no one knew what it was. It's just, mm. We live in a time where, just like that, we have access to this amazing care through scientific technology. And, 
with robots. And, and I said, they, they used a giant, I asked if they used a robot because there's now robots to do surgery. Um, but they say, no, we just use a very large microscope. So she has a microscope and that was helping her pinpoint where to go. And I could hear everything mm-hmm. and different machines coming on. And they had some music in the background. And I said, well, okay, that helps them relax. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but and they're chatting and, but just, at, you know, just hearing all the different things that have to happen. It's like, wow, we're so lucky not to have lived even a hundred years ago yeah. in that regard, right? In terms of healthcare and things we take for granted. And I wonder if a hundred years time in the future, people will go, oh, can you, can you imagine having to let a person inject you in the eye and you don't get the Medi robot 2.3? You know, I wonder if people would just think we're like savages because everything will be automated and there's no human error. Right. Or there's new technology. It's like bloodletting in the old days. They'll say, oh, yeah, that- <laughs> yeah. apply the leeches. Or you just get a, a new robot eye. And, you know, suddenly you can take photos and upload them to Instagram and people can send you little heart emojis. And a hundred. <laughs> and a smaller side on that, I don't know if we want to go in this direction, but I was in Lisbon, I met a, a professor, ex-professor, and he had done a whole declaration on the rights of cyborgs because he said the more we get implanted with devices like my dad just showed me his space maker the other day mm-hmm. was hot and you can see it and you can touch it, it's under the skin but as they put more technology into us and it's requiring <clears throat> just like your iphone or anything it's it's different technological companies putting components together there's licensing and this and that he says what then happens if um you know what rights do you have? Are you licensing that device? If a company decides to pull out of the agreement, do they have to take out your pacemaker? So what rights do you have as we become increasingly cyborged mm-hmm. when the technology is owned and leased and controlled by other entities? And do you pay what an annual license fee? And so as we move forward and we begin to get artificial eyes and hearts and limbs, it's something he was thinking ahead. And I just thought, oh my God, to be thinking ahead so brilliantly about something that's even hard for me to grasp in my head right now. But he says, yeah, that's what we have to start looking at. And with the power of technology and companies and ownership, what does that do to our rights? This kind of feeds back into the um, Years and Years program because they have like, um, yeah, they call it transhumanism, I think, Mm. program and they get like microchips with computers and they can do whatever with their fingers and like take phone calls using that just their hand because of the chips inside them it is an absolutely mental um idea but i I think i saw or heard on an advert last week maybe that like the google glass things it's like wearable tech Mm. it's gonna come first like stuff that's just like constantly i mean we do have phones obviously but stuff that's like constantly on your person, like mm. attached to you before it gets uh, fully automated and attached um, inside your skin or inside your brain. Like, mm. we're not that far away, I feel. But I wonder if we're far enough away that I possibly won't have access to that. So, you know, I, I don't know if that will come in the next 10 or 20 years, because mm. I would totally sign up for it. I'd be like, yeah, put an NFC chip in my finger, give me, you know, digital retinas i'd be all up for it but i just wonder if i'll just be a little bit too old by the time it's available because they'll be like well we would put a chip in your eye but you can't see <laughs> you know almost like you need you need to be all in working order before they can start enhancing it but i'd be well up for that i'd be like you know replace all the crap bits and give me give me apple technology i'm not apple i don't like apple give me android technology make me a proper android Anders, are you like horrified by the idea of this? Because I get the feeling that yeah. you'll be like, never, ever, ever is anything technological tracking me. I think it's um, uh, there's a distinction between if it's for like a medical purpose. Yeah. Like I would probably have a digital eye if I had to, you know, I mean, my life is about visuals. So if mm. I was... 70 and my sight was deteriorating i think i would accept 
that technology into my body. Um, I love that you say it's seventy, as if that's like unimaginably old. I mean, I'm thinking no, I'm just thinking that like if my sight started going now, I would think of something else to do with my life than art and design, you know. But um, no, I think I think for me, I would just not want to have technology of convenience inside really? my body. Yes. Oh, really? Because that's the whole purpose of it. It's convenient. Like, yeah, but that's kind of I. I think I like it when things are a little inconvenient in life because <laughs> you're forced into a pause and you're forced into you know thinking of like I. I am scared that I would just buy stuff constantly if I had the ability to just like use my finger to order or like pay for something. You know, yeah. it. I need to have some obstacles. I think of it even now, just like being able to use my my debit and credit cards just with face ID on my iPhone. And I'm just like, oh, I don't even have to get my wallet out. It's so easy. Money is not real. And Your then, money is parted from you so much more easily. Yeah, exactly. By showing my face. Uh, I mean, I think it's inevitable. And I, I definitely am less inclined to think that I would move away to uh, an off-the-grid island these days. Mm. Like, I think you have to move with what humanity is doing to a certain extent but mm. uh, i mean it also depends a little bit on what's what's offered yeah yeah because i still think it's a bit too inconvenient to have to take a phone out to get on the underground it's like why not just put it into my thumb you know that'd be so much easier i'm not going to forget my thumb i think they like uh trialed something like this in stockholm where people got chips in their palms or in their hands too Either and then if it was pay yeah. or be able to travel. With. And then, of course, they know exactly where you're going and your whole history, where you've been. Yeah. Well, that's also, of course, a risk is that, yeah. you know, you will be tracked to a different degree um, once there are trackable devices inside of you. But at the same time, right now, we're, we're working, we have our phones everywhere. So I think we're pretty tracked. You know, who would, like, who would care where I was going? people who want to sell you stuff i yeah. guess see today with we were out having breakfast with dan's mum and um yeah anyway you know she needed to find a toilet all that kind of stuff so we went to uh, this place called govinda's which is a vegan harry krishna restaurant in soho square and while she went inside me and dan were just hanging about and there was this lovely woman outside and she said would you like a copy of the bhagavad gita and I said, no, thank you. And she said, oh, I'm, I'm offering you the book. Please take it. And I said, OK, you know, as you've as you've been so nice. And then she pulled out her chip and pin device and she said, would you like to make a donation? And I thought, oh, it's not really would I like to. Um, mm. And I said, OK, I'll I'll give you five pounds. And she said, how about ten? I mean, oh, she gosh. Was, no, she was amazing. She was I mean, she I, I wouldn't want to be um, do her a disservice but i would say she was at least 70 if not 80 and she was so on it and essentially what they do in the restaurant there's a Hare krishna temple upstairs the restaurant is a social enterprise and then they deliver food to homeless people throughout london and so the donations pay for that and i was like this is brilliant this is so cool and there is part of me that thinks well without the kind of convenience technology you know she could never have done that um, equally, you know, me using my card means that someone knows where I am and that I've done that. But who's going to care? Like, who would worry about where I was and what I was doing and what I was buying? And, you know, because when there's just a lovely woman outside a shop, I fall for that. <laughs> I don't really need, you know, really complicated, targeted marketing. If someone says to me something is unavailable, like my lovely Swatch watch that I got, I want it even more. I, you know, I feel like putting out in, this out into the world. I'm suddenly going to get targeted adverts because they know I fall for it every time. And technology makes that better for me, I think, not worse. Yeah, I guess then the question is if this technology ends up getting used mostly for, you know, consumption and keeping mm. markets alive, you know, is that sustainable for our little planets to like 
if that's sort of the drive to like, okay, when we know more about what people do, what Paul does, you know, mm. then we can uh, plant lovely old women in the streets where we know he walks so that they can <sighs> gather donations from it. Is that like, you will consume him more, but do you need to? Yeah. Is that a yeah. good thing? I don't know. I certainly didn't need the book. And to be honest, if she had just said, would you like to donate because we give food to homeless people, I'd have probably given her the five pounds anyway. So, you know, there, I didn't need to take the book away. But yeah, actually, and that would, for me, that would be a really good way of living. If I was just walking along the street and there was a lovely old woman on the street saying, oh, you forgot the milk, here you are. And I could just <laughs> scan my finger on her hand, you know, because it comes to that place of going, actually, it's still too new. It's too reactive. You know, I want, I want, although my little Amazon device does say things like, oh, isn't it about time you ordered more iron brew? So it kind of does know me a little bit. So that's your Hmm. In the end, I'd be like more willing, you know, rather than these like media platforms or stores knowing how to advertise and so on, like what I could see myself having in the future is like a robot that lives in my home. Okay. And it's like, here's what you need. And here's your blood levels today. I basically want Baymax, but with like purchasing ideas as well. What is that? Uh, well, you need to watch Baymax. It's a lovely movie. Is is it actually called Baymax, the movie? Hero 6. Oh, Big Hero 6. Yeah, Baymax is a robot in this movie, Big Hero 6. I don't 6. know it. We'll have to watch it. Oh. Yeah, it's a Disney movie with a robot whose purpose is to basically heal people or like keep people healthy or fix them. It's, uh, I, you know, I only ever cry at children's movies, I feel like, and that movie <laughs> made me cry. Uh, <laughs> and would you have a sex robot? That's quite. That was quite a jump. Yeah. <laughs> when the, the, rob the robot walks in the room and it's like, it's been too long since well, you've had sex. Now we're gonna fix that. Well, don't uh, have those. I think they're made of latex and things. Well, no. Yeah. But if you had this, oh. like, would you? You wouldn't go to all of the bother of having a robot in your home that could test your blood sugar and deliver your food and not give you a hand job. I mean, why would you go to all of that and not build in that functionality? But see, or would here, it be like here's... BMW? They would build it in, but you would have to pay a monthly subscription oh, to yeah. activate that feature. <laughs> you have to pay to open the hole. Oh, God. Gosh. Oh. I wonder if that would be more likely to become, like, in the end, of course, people are going to want sex dolls and that kind of stuff, but... I imagine that it would be more fun to have like a VR experience with like a little attachment or something for yourself. Oh, and elaborate. It... Yeah. What do you mean? I feel like I've seen this in something. Oh. It's not my idea where it's like you're wearing your VR headset and having an experience that also yeah. is physical with VR, a little. I think it's what we're like... looking to here. It already exists. Does it? Yeah. I'm going to put on a headset and then yeah. shove something in you. Yeah, if you've got a VR headset, there is plenty of VR porn out there for you, Paul. Huh. I have a VR headset, but, you know, I might have to I'll Google it. You don't have to go to a brothel anymore. It's so nice. <laughs> no risk of getting monkeypox. Oh, my God. Uh, or other um, things. Yeah, but then... Oh, isn't that part of the fun? I mean, not part of the fun, but you know, there's. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, no, well, there is a little a little part of that that, like you know, there's a little dangerous side to it, I suppose, when you're just going out there. Maybe you could set the device to, I don't know, be a bit disappointing, <laughs> so it still feels quite realistic. It's it's <laughs> like when you're. I don't know. I mean, obviously everyone plays Mario Kart all the time, but it's like when you press they the do. little question mark to let the game choose a random track to race on, it's like you can go into your VR sex environment and just press question mark and then you'll see what happens. New experience. You know, maybe it would be a good way to explore shadow sides and things like yeah, that. Yeah, because there's no risk involved, like really, you know, in terms of, yeah. like, remember when we did our how kinky are you questionnaire and I learned a lot of words that I didn't know you know if that was <laughs> if 
that was the program and you stepped in and just pressed, you know, like Netflix, <laughs> surprise me, <laughs> like literally, um, then I wonder if it could give you more access to different parts of yourself, either that you wouldn't know what, mm. to, what to ask for or you didn't know something existed or it's not something you would necessarily want to try with another person yet. Or you might be too scared to admit or share with anyone too. Mm. Yeah. But then then it would be digitally, you know, it would be stored in some cloud somewhere. So if you got hacked, everyone would know what you tried <laughs> in a different That's way. That's a risk. Unless they anonymize it, but that's true. And, isn't, and I guess that's also, I feel like that's partly there already. And the way that, you know, show me a person who hasn't been on Pornhub. And yet there's almost this fear of, oh, but what if someone finds out? It's like, no, everyone's doing it. Everyone is doing it. And so anyone could be hacked at any time. I guess maybe there's just something where that becomes more experiential you know you might still be able to say oh I, I clicked on the wrong button and i got taken to you know bondage dwarf incest.com um <laughs> no, Paul, no, if i can jump in back in dc there used to be um someone had the url for whitehouse.gov and it was actually a porn site <laughs> and so um you know and there'd be this picture of the capitals with bucks and women and bikinis in front and you clicked and and I had a friend who worked for the State Department or something, and he, you know, he typed in White House into the search button, and next thing you know, <laughs> one site kept popping up. So he quickly, he's, he's very Catholic and very straight, now he's gay, very straight. <laughs> and he immediately reported it to the IT saying, look, you know, I didn't voluntarily go there, it popped up. But they held the name for many years. So I think eventually got reclaimed, but you type in White House, and next thing you know, you got the porn site. What would be the best <laughs> URL to have that you could turn into a porn site? You know, something like, I don't know, you know, the, the weird things that people search for, like, I don't know, what's yeah. my house worth? <laughs> and then you just get like rampant porn. Matthew, what about, what's your relationship to porn? Um... Would you see yourself in a, a cyber sex dungeon in the future? No, definitely. Not. I'm trying to step away from porn, to be honest. Um, really? Yeah. Deliberately, I, I, like consciously. Yeah, yeah, consciously. I read a really interesting book a couple of, well, it's probably months ago now, um, called Your Brain on Porn. I think. Yeah. Um, found it very eye-opening and quite, it's, yeah, it's one of those books when you're like, oh shit, yeah, this porn is obviously still so, internet porn, I should say, is still so... Um, new in our in our culture and how it's consumed and obviously the ways in which it affects our cognitive uh, function and like addiction behaviors um is crazy and like i hadn't really fathomed it until i read that book um but yeah this whole idea of like cyber vr stuff is very um i don't know it, it like replacing human connection is quite worrying for me i would never i would never like want that to be um the the main focus of where people are going to get their kicks i think that's quite hmm. sad not not in like a like sad it's like a shame to to like miss hmm. out on such a connecting thing um and so know. what does happen to our brains on porn what what goes a on lot of, <laughs> a lot of dopamine uh released in short spaces of time which basically means that your um, levels of stimulation are, are like through the roof. So that coming back to like base level is, takes a lot longer and then it takes you more to, um, to, get, aroused. More to get aroused. So your level of dopamine needs to be much higher for your state of arousal and therefore long-term use basically means you're fucked in, in the long term. Because you're constantly looking for the constantly next hit. Oh, wow. Like being, exciting thing the next mm. yeah basically your your brain is going to keep going to find that next level of stimulation because it just will the tolerance basically if we're looking at it in drug terms the tolerance just keeps on yeah. going up and up and up so yeah it's, it's fascinating read i'd really recommend for anyone who mm. um, 
and then the reality becomes more disappointing too, right, Matthew? It's Definitely. because yeah, yeah. you know the perfect body is the perfect pawn, and then we we can't this, relate to ordinary human beings anymore. Yeah, and I think this is why the whole VR thing is actually quite dangerous because, in a way, it can like the fantasy can be enacted, but it's not real. Mm. I, I don't know. There's something quite um, years and years about that whole that whole idea is that people are turning away from reality and it's again if you I don't know if any of you seen ready player one no um, i've got the book i think but i've never read it yet don't know it yeah, yeah in uh, the books yeah, yeah the book is really good as well um they basically like all live in this virtual reality world because like the real world's gone to shit basically it's like <laughs> um relatable content um but yeah they all live in these virtual reality worlds and and there's different planets in this virtual world you can go to and experience and play games and i don't know you can basically create your avatar and be whoever you want to be mm -hmm. um but yeah i think there is something quite dangerous and it's definitely noticeable i think about uh people growing up in in this social media world and like creating their online profiles and stuff and actually the who we are like in real life is being sidelined for a, a, an imaginary version of us online i mm. don't know it feels quite dangerous to me um so that's why my I, I, yeah my relation to porn is is one of like caution i think um, i think that's really healthy while trying <laughs> so we won't see you in the metaverse anytime soon in the in the porn dungeon <laughs> <laughs> see you in the porn dungeon yeah that's a bit different to saying you know let's go for a brunch it's like let's go hang out in the porn dungeon on don't even have to leave home no exactly saves so you, a lot of shoes you definitely will not see me in the metaverse sorry i just realized that's that's the new thing isn't it is that even is that happening i feel like that just kind of went off i don't know why i'm gonna ask anders about this because i i just feel like you would know this <laughs> like what's what's happening in the metaverse fully unaware of what's going on with that oh really <laughs> yeah is it, do you just not care, like not pay attention to it because it's just not of interest? I actively want to never have to do anything related to that. Um, and primarily because it is created by, by Facebook. I mean, yeah. I don't want the VR porn for myself. <laughs> I just imagine that's where we're going. Uh, <laughs> but with, uh, with the metaverse, it just feels... And my my initial reaction was that it felt very gross and that it did not feel necessary and that it was only a like, hey, let us get you to spend even more time with our company mm. and products so that we can milk all the data out of you. Mm. Um, Literally. Yeah. yeah. What about if you could license yourself to be in a porn dungeon for someone else to milk all the data out of you? <laughs> Like, would, you know, let's say, let's say there was someone who was like, oh, you know, Ella Veride is my favorite fantasy. Like, would you, could you license Ella's image to be one of these characters in the virtual porn dungeon? Like, would you do that? It's a fascinating concept. That is really fascinating. Um, maybe for the right money. Do you mean like my actual... <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't know, like you would step inside some machine and it would take all of these 360 images, you know, like the ABBA concert. ABBA <laughs> you... Voyage, sex dungeon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ABBA Voyager. ABBA involved if you wanted. But yeah, you could like create your own yes. character that people then, you know, as they're scrolling through, they go, oh, I'll have an hour with Ella. That's really interesting. I mean, it's it, there's definitely money making opportunities in there, aren't there? My, um, I was speaking with a guy, I think it's about last year or the year before, who was, we were talking about like people doing OnlyFans and that kind of thing and saying the best thing to do is to create all this content and actually launch it when when you're like 60, 70 and no one knows that it's you because you're, you're just there in the ether, like doing it all now. Oh, I love it. It's there. Isn't that such a good idea? Fantastic. You do it all now in your youth and prime and you hold back and then... That's who you are on social media. No one knows that you're really yeah, like seventy you're now, not twenty-five. Then also, like the time-space continuum, you're existing as yeah. this online persona, getting all the coin, and you're there in your retirement, just like yeah, make it. Missing yourself. <laughs> That's so smart. 
<laughs> and no one's going to recognize you because you got yeah. in the street. Well, it's like people on Tinder, you know, you meet them and they look nothing like that picture. Mm. Yeah. This is actually so smart. Wow. And then it's going to be like, once you release it, it's going to be sort of vintage. People are yeah, going to be like, oh, years from now. shot on iPhone 12. <laughs> yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> vintage. Yeah, they'll be like, I don't believe that this is you because you're not doing it with your sex robot. You know, yeah. in 360 yeah. i can't like yeah scroll yeah. around out of time like 70s porn you know it'd be like handlebar mustaches what would be the thing from 2022 <laughs> vaccination <laughs> scars <laughs> mask, mask yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true what is, talking of monkeypox what is everyone's um thoughts and uh concerns maybe about the, this whole well, potentially new endemic I saw in a news article yesterday. Um, yeah, what's everyone's thoughts? Another reason not to have random sex or to think twice before you rub up close to someone who may be infected. I don't know. The stuff's just, I'm very conservative on the stuff. Yeah, see, I'm the opposite. I'm like, give me 17 vaccinations um, because mm. I just think it's what i see coming over the horizon or maybe not on the horizon maybe it's already here is that it's very quickly become a men who have sex with men narrative even though it's not transmitted sexually it's just becoming you know it's we're now talking about high risk groups again which takes mm -hmm. me back 30 years and what i love so in london at the moment you can get vaccinated if we well if there's um availability but the the sexual health clinics are saying you can only get vaccinated if you meet certain criteria and the criteria is things like you must have had group sex recently or fisting or if you've had another sti or if you have sex in a sauna you know somewhere like that multiple yeah so they're very clear yeah. it's like it's not kind of just you know Generic. people kind of, kind of living their life doing all of that and so what i find really interesting is that people are you know posting on instagram going i've had my vaccine because part of me is going you go girl <laughs> you know it's like a badge of honor to go yeah and i'm having really interesting sex but i also think there's a risk that people will go oh you had your monkeypox vaccine that means you must be going and having group sex in a sauna three times a week you know, there, so I, I guess that there's a bit of a double-edged sword to it when having just, well, we haven't come through COVID, still going through COVID, you'd have thought people would have fucking learned that there's no such thing as guilt or shame when it comes to any kind of virus. Mm. It just feels very familiar. It feels like echoes of the 80s to me at the moment. Mm. That's, yeah, it's really interesting. I've been having this discussion with my friend Cody, actually, um, re certain types of people like I've been messaged um from Dean Street while I was away saying that if you want it you're you can get it basically I hope they're still available when I come back they haven't uh, messaged so me I, I, <laughs> I met the criteria again <laughs> well we know Ella's a bit too, of a slut right yeah, exactly I'm obviously too boring to get messaged I mean now I'm thinking if they're actually messaging people what does it take to get who do I have to blow to get up the list and how many times hmm I know it's funny because like I'm <laughs> without getting monkeypox. <laughs> Only if they're vaccinated. And will you have um, the vaccine when you're back? Yeah, I think I probably will. Um, because yeah, one of my friends had it fairly fairly recently and was in hospital with like a really swollen tongue and it didn't sound uh, very nice. But yeah, sorry, going back to the discussion I was having with my friend. Um, there is this whole like stigma thing and the, and the being like oh well you must be like a, a complete whore if you're getting the vaccine and like oh, i don't know it's so difficult to be wanting people to be um responsible around their sex like and and taking ownership of their health yeah. versus being liberated and free and i think there's so there's such a thin line between being like reckless and irresponsible versus being liberated and like sex positive and i think it's so easy to tie this little um sex positive bow around unhealthy behavior because 
realistically, you're not looking after your health if you're getting antibiotics every month for clap, syphilis, whatever it is. Um, and this is the thing I'm feeling at the moment with this whole monkeypox thing. I'm like, what is the, what is the like, what is the solution? Because obviously, great people, people taking ownership of their sexuality and like doing what they want to do and in a safe, consensual way. But there's, there's still something I just feel is like destructive in a way going going into that space of oh we don't care we've got the vaccine like we're we're i've got on prep all of this stuff yep. i'm invincible but like we're not anti antibiotics shouldn't be used so regularly our bodies aren't meant for that so what is the middle ground it's something i've really been uh contemplating recently yeah i think you've pointed it so well to that dilemma right mm. and so what mask sometimes i think the sex positive label is a nice sort of pushback against <clears throat> morality or prudishness. Mm. But sometimes people who claim that, for some of them, the sex positive, does it end up being playing out or acting out sexually in unhealthy ways because there are things not being faced with and there are things not being dealt with. Mm. And so this becomes an arena in which to hide and cover up and claim sex positivity when there may be a whole lot of other things going on that you've not really looked at. Mm. Mm. And I really want to like champion people like owning their sexuality and like being mm. sex positive, but yeah. I can't help but see the destructive behaviors happening in certain people. And I'm like, oh, I, I want, I want to like, I don't know. I want to find that middle ground and be in that and like own it. Like, cause there is, I think there is a way to be, to be healthy and sexually liberated mm -hmm. and all things. You'd be a great advocate for it, Matthew. I really think you would because you're putting your finger on something and you know, you're the kind of demographic for all that that people will listen to in the community. Mm. Yeah, I honestly hadn't thought about it. Like yeah. that. I think it's really... You're onto something. Yeah, it's really powerful. I don't agree with it, but it's really powerful. And I think it's a good approach in terms of it's, it's yeah so i don't think it's i disagree with the idea i think it's coming for me it's coming from a different place but i want to see what anders thinks because he's also mm. young and i i think my my take on it is coming from a place of being almost 50. but anyway i'd rather hear anders i want to hear yours too hear from the youngsters before <laughs> i come in with my old man shaking fist at sky uh yeah uh no but i think actually i i do feel similarly to Matthew, where it at, it just seems like there must be a place, a very both happy and healthy place somewhere. Um, maybe it is on a bit of a spectrum or so, because of course, uh, looking the opposite direction of the sort of, uh, what would you call it, like chaste, like, keep it in your pants morality is I think sometimes like equally maybe maybe less so on a physical health but also physical health spectrum but like mental health and just all the shame that surrounds that I am also very scared of and very aware that you know I'm definitely from a setting and background where that was the norm mm -hmm. um and yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't really feel like I am an authority in any way to speak on this <laughs> subject, I guess. I don't I don't feel like I want to tell anyone uh, what to do, but I would love to I would love to see more basically, I don't know, content or stories or uh, messages about that happy middle as well. Mm. Yeah. Or unhappy middle, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the unhappy middle. You can be unhappy there too. It's fine. <laughs> you don't have to be happy all the time. Uh, yeah. I, so I guess where, where I come from, and I, and I I think, you know, the three of you are sharing a, a kind of core um, message, which I think is really important about healthiness and about ownership and responsibility and all those things. And I guess 
where I was, where my head was going as I was hearing all of that was kind of coming from a place of growing up in the era of AIDS, you know, as it was described, and it was all so dangerous. Like the messaging was, well, you know, the fucking virus was dangerous, but the messaging was so dangerous because it, it just made gay people, gay men, or men who have sex with men, particularly gay men, just so villainized, And not just from the media, but from the media and the government, but also the way a lot of gay people turned on each other and became very fearful. You know, mm. the whole, um, you know, muscle Mary bodybuilding thing kind of was kick-started from the era of AIDS because people didn't want to look like they had it. So they want, they would build themselves, you know, this whole thing became this like cultural, you know, we now need to look different, otherwise people are going to reject us. And there's still so much stigma about it. Mm. So I guess having come up in that context where actually, you know, I when I was a kid, I honestly just thought I was just going to be dead by the time I was 30 because that was the story that was just going to happen. And, you know, I feel very fortunate, really fortunate that that didn't happen. And so, you know, when things like prep were available, I was like, yeah, I'll take everything possible. Not because I'm necessarily putting myself in any risk or, you know, like it's not that I feel like I fit those categories as such, but there's a bit of me that just goes, if I can take anything that will just not make me go down that path at some point in the future, because sometimes it's about my behavior, actually sometimes it's about other people's behavior. And so, you know, I feel the same with monkeypox vaccines and stuff. It's like some, you know, you might be someone who's been indoors for two years because of COVID and you go out for a night out and you meet someone and you get chatting and you go home with them and you get monkeypox. And I think that, you know, there isn't, I think even the narrative of having to limit the vaccine to just people who are doing all these things immediately makes it like, well, actually, you could still just pick it up from one yeah. person. Yeah. And so I, I come more from a place of everyone should have as much sex as possible with as many people as possible, as long as that's okay for them. And that if there's if there's stuff you can do that that keeps you safe and protects you, then absolutely do that. Because I think that's what straight people do. Straight people, and I'm not saying they're good role models, some of them are, most of them aren't, but you know, they they do have that sense of freedom and liberation. And you know, shame, I know that shame does still exist in straight relationships, but it's mostly aimed at women, it's mostly from misogyny. Um, straight men are very rarely called promiscuous. And so I think for me, there's something about reclaiming all of the stuff that was thrown at us and just going, yeah, fuck you. We can do whatever we want. And not in a, you know, God, I'm not hedonistic in any sense of the word. Sometimes I wish I was, but you know, just th there's, th there's the space for that. And so I, w I, and I think that comes from a very contextual place of living through that time, which is why I'm kind of interested from, you know, Matthew and Anders point, having, you know, 20 years on you that actually maybe you just didn't have that. Maybe that just wasn't part of your story because by the time you were, you know, coming into like your, your teens and twenties, either there was treatment for HIV or PrEP or whatever it was that, I don't know, maybe the story was different. I, to be honest, um, even going into my 20s, I think HIV was still quite something that people were worried about. I mean, it was mm -hmm. definitely something that made me maybe more cautious about having unprotected sex and PrEP obviously wasn't available until a couple of years ago. So, it was, yeah, I think there was still stigma around and I think that's there's still shame and stigma that's... Uh, in in the air still that I'm unpicking and mm. um so yeah I know I, I I'm definitely not completely removed from that and I think some some of the people the younger generations than us have never had to worry about that so they mm. they can just emerge into this world and be promiscuous and blah 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 um but it I'm, I wonder whether that's maybe part of the the reason why um People just aren't uh, maybe a bit more reckless and and stuff with their sexual health yeah. because like oh, well everything can get antibiotics and prep and yeah. all stuff now there wasn't that worry and I think maybe that 
I think maybe the the fear and stuff actually kept us safe or I'm speaking for myself kept me protected for a while um, and kind of out of harm's way for want of a better word mm. um, yeah but yeah it's 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 been a process of like stepping away from the fear and like being in a place of making decisions and stuff which is going to keep my body healthy and and looking after me basically yeah yeah and and in a way i think that that's the message i would get behind even though my message is a bit different i would get behind yours because i think in the long term and the bigger picture that's the healthy choice i think there's i think your your take on it gives people more access to better choices i think if i was in charge if i was prime minister just going hey everyone just go fuck off go fuck each other as many times as you like that's probably a bit irresponsible in that place but equally it's what i believe i'm also just thinking that maybe it's not always necessary to only be subscribed to one of these mm, <laughs> options or yeah, yeah. Uh, thoughts you know i think you go through these stages in life and uh different things might be important at a different time so you know at one point it might be more important to think about the safety and health and everything and at another point it might be more important to kind of explore what it is mm. you are um, and want uh, I don't know that's sort of how I try to approach most things in life too so I mean that's purely an individual perspective but I think if if these were things that I mean I have been in a monogamous relationship for a long time so it's not as much on the agenda for me but I think if it was it would change yeah. constantly or over time uh, so I don't feel like to, to me it doesn't feel necessary to only have the one thing that I yeah. believe in on this topic forever and I think that's so I love that because it I think of sexuality as a spectrum so why shouldn't I think of sex as a spectrum as well that all of that's available you can you can be choiceful about it and you can make the right decision for you at the right time um I think it also you know it supports that sense of what Matthew was saying about yeah for some people it becomes harmful like anything you know like gambling or drinking or smoking or drugs or whatever it is as soon as it becomes harmful then yeah that's when you have to kind of go hang on maybe i need to shift from go have sex with as many people to maybe just take a look inside you know paul as you're saying i mean i grew i came out with hiv as the first thing that had been detected because i came out in 8045 and my very first friend said, oh, there's this new disease going around affecting gay men. Literally in my second year of college, didn't even have a name. Mm. And I remember the early as the AIDS crisis, um, or when it was coming out, is in New York, they were trying to shut down the bathhouses yeah. to, to reduce the spread. And gay men were just absolutely opposed and livid that this was being done to them by other gay men, and they just refused. So it sort mm. of harkens back, no, we've escape the shackles of heterosexuality we're liberated we're finally owning our sexuality and our bodies and you're not shutting down mm. bathhouses in san francisco new york and it was the most unpopular things that the mayors and gay community did and it was wise because it needed to happen yeah. because of the rampant spread and then you know we went through that awful awful time and you know what it happened and so maybe if you stand back symbolically and look at it as a movement, look at it as a mm. kind of a larger consciousness around what it means to be gay, part of what came out of that was a movement towards relationships, meaningful connections, more so than before, and ultimately gay marriage for however you look at that. And so there was a recalibration saying, okay, mm. all this hedonism of the 70s and all has been fine, we're having fun, but AIDS forced a re-reckoning. And it's not that it was good, it's not that it was bad, but it's like, where did our collective energy begin to shift? And so now then we move into yeah. an era of, like you mentioned the word responsibility. I think freedom and responsibility are two sides of the same coin. And we're being and asked now to look been, at that. 
I'd have been one of the people going, don't you dare close down those bathhouses. Mm. And yet as soon as COVID arrived, I was like, lock us down. <laughs> yeah. Tell me not to go out and I will not go out. You know, there's so, yeah, I am contradictory and complex and weird because I, I can see that. I can see that it was not okay to be targeted, but I also think actually for public health reasons, sometimes you just have to intervene. Um, speaking of sex dungeons, has anyone thought of a birthday wish for Nick? Um, as we're coming to the end of our time, um, what would we wish for our beautiful, wonderful Buddhist sex monster? <laughs> mm, well, now that you put it like that, would he like being called a sex monster, you think? Uh, probably, yeah. Mm. I mean, I will check it out with him <laughs> before, <I put> it <laughs> before you put way, it there. I you, sorry, I called you a sex monster. Is that okay? I think he would quite like it. I think Nick okay. has levels and levels, and I think it's amazing. So I guess my wish for him would be just to be even more bold and brave at showing other people how to be authentic, because his authenticity encourages me to be authentic. And he brings it. He brings it all. I don't think I'll ever forget our uh, our episode where he just moved, and he said he said something about his whip, and I went, Nick, why have you got a whip? And he just went, Oh, bless you. <laughs> I like what you, I like your wish. Yeah, I just now I would wish Nick a lot of joy and ease in his life. I know he's had a hard time this year settling and finding a home and. He's just always got this light in his eyes and he's just, so I wish him more of that, you know, just ease and joy and fun and mischievousness. Hmm. I think I will go with wishing for him like a week soon where like every single day has like an incredibly surprising and overwhelmingly amazing uh something from the universe that's like fulfilling a need or want for him that's like in an unusual yeah surprising good surprising way i don't know what that is but he will he will tell us <laughs> gorgeous um and i will wish for more abundance and play in the next year of his life and maybe a few um, slaves for his sex dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, ask and you shall receive. We just, yeah. we give it up to God and see what happens. Happens. Hey, gods. Wonderful. Hey, gods. Hey, gods. Hey, gods. So, yeah, happy birthday, Nick. Hopefully we yeah. see you soon. Happy birthday, Nick. Happy, happy birthday, Nick. Thanks for listening to another Hopecast. It's good to be back. Uh, you can follow us on all of our socials at Hopecast Podcast. And we'll be back again next week. Hopefully we're going to get Oliver back. Uh, we'll hear again from Nick, hear all about his birthday. But yeah, thank you so much again for listening. <laughs>